Welcome, leaders. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. Thrilled to have Phil Randazzo, founder of American Dream U, on today's show. Phil and the team at American Dream U are dedicated to supporting veterans as they transition from serving in the military to navigating life as a civilian. We are going to jump right into this conversation. And heads up, this is a show that's packed full of advice, resources, personal experiences, and countless gems that you'll definitely want to capture. And with that, we welcome you to the Leadership Looks Like podcast. Join us as we explore personal stories of leaders who are making an incredible impact in their businesses, lives, and communities. Get ready to be inspired, see things from a new perspective, and learn new tools to help overcome challenges. This is what leadership looks like. Hey, Phil, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's been a while. How long has it been, actually? I'm just trying to think about that in the way over here. So uh, I started my business three years ago, and I'm so probably like three and a half, three okay. years at least. Okay. Yeah. And I know we're going to talk about your story, but one thing that happened when um, we started working together with your organization is you had me complete um, an assessment. It was like a personality test type assessment, but it was more than that. Well, do you remember what Was that the Colby? It was, I think it was the Colby. Okay. And we, I got the results, and basically it said, whatever you're doing in your life right now is not matching up with what you want to be doing. Mm. And you know, we worked together for a short time, but that left a big impression on me. And since then, I've started my own So business. what have you been doing? I, I know, right? Yeah. Um, doing this podcast, and then I have my leadership development business, Leadership Excursion Company. Um, we just launched a youth leadership program. Um, we do leadership training with horses, manager mm. training, all sorts of different types of hands-on training. And I have my women's retreat, Spark Women's Retreat. That's awesome. Because you were always in outdoors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I just took my background in tech and then also with search and rescue and loving the outdoors. And here we are. Wow. Yeah. Because you were yeah. going to work for, if I remember, you're going to be like a project manager for some three or four crazy entrepreneurs. Is that correct? Yeah. That's in what memory, happened. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. What, it was for a startup. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the money dried up, and that was another mm. adventure for sure. Yeah. So you're with you're you're still doing your nonprofit, American Dream. You I am. Yep. And uh, I can't wait to talk about that in detail. But let's just talk about your story, your background, what you're doing, how you started. American Dream U. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not that interesting, but we'll tell the American Dream U story first. You always do this, though. You <laughs> right. are you are a total deflector. I'm, I'm a def- I'm good at it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm an I'm Olympic athlete at deflecting. So, yeah, going back, um, 2003 is when I started the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And just so just so your audience knows, I don't get paid. I fund it. I think you were aware of that when I started it. I still haven't gotten paid. I've, I've donated a lot of money and time. We have been fortunate to have some sponsors to help along the way to help our mission. And this has been a great journey. It's been 15 and a half years. I mean, I had black hair when I started this organization. I think when you knew me, I had more black hair. You know, I just turned 50 last month. And oh, so, nice. yeah, so, so I feel great. And listen, it's it's one of those things I never served. Meaning in the military. In the military, right, yeah. right. I'm not a veteran. And it's, you know, they're just an incredible group of people. And I actually have, I have envy for their tribe and their, and what they, you know, what they've, what they've done for us. So, yeah, so right now we're, we're highly focused on the transition. So there's about 21,000 men and women leaving the military every month. And there's a lot of uncertainty for some of them. What's next kind of a thing. And we kind of talked about this before we officially started recording. It's like, you know, who are you when you take off that uniform? And the same thing happens with professional athletes and fighters and who are you? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we kind of share. We bring in entrepreneurs and, and business leaders and have them share with them and say, hey, listen, it's it's okay to be your authentic self, right? In the military, you're it's pretty regimented from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. Yeah, um, different expect- expectations. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, so I, I, I love it. I just came back from an Airstream tour. Very you know, nice. Yeah, yeah. They, they had a great program, and so we spent uh, five weeks on the road, almost five thousand miles. And my wife and my dog uh, came with us, and just met some amazing people. And it was probably a lot of miles in a short period of time, but mm-hmm. well worth it. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know if I'd go back and do it again the same way. And you and I talked about it again. All the great work you're doing 
it's great to be able to be mobile and to and to and be outdoors. It's just such a power of being outdoors. Yeah, and getting the word out. I mean, that's the thing about any passion that you have is any chance you have to get the word out, you're going to do it. Oh, for sure. I think, yeah. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that you didn't surf. What happened or or what really made you decide to support veterans? And in particular, their transition from military life to civilian life? Yeah. So that, that, that's a great question. I get asked that a lot. I, I looked into serving after 9-11, and I was a, a college athlete, and I just tore up my body. Back then it was... Oh, you need a, you know, you have pain. Here's a cortisone shot. I think I had, I don't know, 50 or 60 cortisone shots in each of my knees and it just deteriorated my knees. So I wasn't eligible to go into the military. So after the Iraq war started, I just saw a lot of, I guess you'd call them anti-war protests or this or that. And I'm thinking, man, there's 18, 19, 20 year old kids over there and their parents are home. And so I had a pro troops rally. That was the very first thing I kicked off in March of uh, 2003. First 10 years, we helped the wounded, their families. We did a lot of work with the Gold Star parents. We built a memorial out of Red Rock Canyon. I don't know if you've seen that Mm -hmm. memorial, built that memorial out of Red Rock Canyon. And then as less men and women came back wounded, I had asked uh, at the turn, he was a colonel at the time, and now he's he's a general officer, what can we do to help? And he says, you know, for some, there's just some uncertainty that transition, right? You go from a tribe who lives together, fights together, trains together, eats together, to all of a sudden, you're a civilian again. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's an identity issue for sure. So I just rounded up a whole bunch of entrepreneurs and we did our first event and they were like, wow, no more PowerPoints, right? Military is- All know, PowerPoint All PowerPoint, delivery, right, yeah. right. And so we, we just, we approached it in a different way and it really hit off really well. So we've done over a hundred events. We've had 15,000 attendees. We have online courses. All the stuff we do is free. We don't, there's no buy it now box or button or- course to buy everything we offer is for free. Mm-hmm. How are you funding this? We have some sponsors, but it's generally me. Yeah. So uh, you, so you, you're a business owner. I'm a business owner. On yeah. top of all this. And, mm-hmm. and that's where you're choosing to um, donate your time and your money. Correct. Among yeah. other organizations too. I'm on yeah. a couple of nonprofit boards as well, but yeah. Yeah. How do you personally maintain all of the, that level of giving to any extra pressure? How, how are you handling that? Yeah. Uh, I think there's a little bit of financial pressure and it's interesting. My identity is now after 15 years wrapped up in this program. And so I've always thought of what would I do next? And it's, it's kind of my identity. So yeah, it's, it's difficult. I, I do a very poor job of asking people for help and for money. And so everyone's like, Oh my gosh, you have a great network. Why don't you ask, you know, just for donations or have people share. I'm like, I don't want to bother people. It's like, Hey, listen, they already donated their time and they came out and spoke. I'm, the last thing I'm going to do is ask somebody to donate money, but there are people that are willing to, willing to help. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a juggle in my day job. Um, I don't really enjoy. And so I've been at it for 27 years. And so I'm trying to, you know, exit that, that type of thing. And I have a great person who's a veteran actually running my organization right now, my day job. But yeah, there's definitely some pressures of, of, you know, time commitment, financial commitment, energy commitment. Um, but I, I'm full of energy when I, when I do the American Dream U stuff. It's just, it's work. The other stuff is work, rather. Mm-hmm. It's just not fun. Yeah. But, I mean, you've bal- you've you found something to balance your life out, right? You're doing something, you have a business, it's not your favorite thing in the world to do, but, mm-hmm. you know, you've created something else that gives you that purpose. And For sure. Yeah. yeah. Tell me more about American Dream U and what you, you've – mention it a little bit. And I looked at your website, you can go online, you have access to all different types of information. But um, let's talk about one of your events. So you go on site to a military base, Mm -hmm, correct? correct. And what does that event look like? Well, I'll I'll start, we typically do Friday, Saturday workshops, we bring in the speakers on uh, Wednesday night, we have them stay on base so they get to experience what it's like to stay in a military base. Most of them have never spent uh, any time in a military base unless they're a veteran, obviously. They wake up in the morning on Thursday and do PT, you know, at 0600. <laughs> and so they're already uh, really working it early in the morning. And what's great is they get to spend time with those they get to speak with. So they're asking a ton of questions. Almost every single speaker has changed up their presentation after spending 16 hours with soldiers, and families. 
then the next day we we speak. We we bring in typically eight to twelve speakers. We have anywhere from fifty, and our largest crowd was eight hundred. And these speakers just go through and they just share their story. And we typically ask our speakers to give some action items. Okay, what can you do today to move forward? Right. A lot of people just feel stuck, you know, and making no decision is is a decision, as you know. So. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think they have more time than they do. So like, oh, I'm not transitioning for another seven months. I have a ton of time, right? I mean, I can't believe as we're doing this, it's 2019, right? Yeah, time does go so fast. Yeah, and it's almost mid-January. It's not like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's crazy. I don't even know what date it is today. But so that's typically what our event looks like. And then day two is for those that really want to dig deeper, they want to start a business, they can come in and dig deeper into validating their business opportunity, you know, seeing if it's, if it's a business or if it's a hobby, a lot of, a lot of soldiers and spouses will come in and we'll kind of evaluate it. And it's, it's a hobby. And so we save them the pain of borrowing money and doing credit cards and launching a business. That's, that's just not a business. Yeah. That type of advice is so invaluable for anybody before you spend any money, put a business plan together, Mm. vet it, do something you know, before you head down that road. I mean, nowadays, I mean, you could put up a landing page for 20 bucks, right? Right. You can do $25 worth of Facebook ads and see if anyone's interested. Listen, absolutely. I could unwind three deals and I would have a whole bunch of money in my account because I didn't follow my own advice. I thought, this is a great business, right? Yeah. Like a ton of money. I still have hats and t-shirts from companies that (laughs) someone bought anything. Yeah. yeah. And you know, even my personal story is what I'm doing now is far from what I started out doing, you know? Oh yeah. And yeah, the really vetting it, running those Facebook ads, um, doing that work is really good advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Success stories, somebody who's gone through your program, um, what, what's happening out there? Wow. So I'll tell you a great military spouse. I'll start off with her. Her name is Melissa. And she attended our event and she was making these these canned cuddlers, right, to keep your drink either hot or cold. And she was doing a couple hundred dollars a month. And we're like, you know, have you ever looked at like Etsy? These are really cool things. She's like, I don't know what Etsy is. This was probably four years ago. Mm-hmm. We guided her. She did all the work. And in fact, she's a team member now. We just hired her to run our spouse program because she's had four years of tremendous success. So she got on Etsy. We helped her redesign, you know, a few things on her website and the order process and all that. And she just executed, absolutely crushed it. And she hit from $200 a month, she had $10,000 a month in revenue. Now that's a game changer for her. Her husband's um, was disabled, had to get out of the army. And so she helped pick up some of the financial, you know, burden for the family. And so we just literally talked about two months ago and I literally hired her to help us run our spouse program. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's just, but again, we kind of led her to what we thought might be a way to make her business more successful, and she executed. And that's and that's what it's all about. You have to execute. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's the saying? You can only lead a horse to water, mm-hmm. but you can't make a drink. Right. That's yeah. That's half the battle. Yeah. Is actually doing it. Yeah. 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 Another quick story. We had a, a young kid named Trevor. He was an Army Ranger at Fort Bragg, and we had an event. We probably only had maybe eighty or ninety soldiers in this big room of three hundred, and he stood up. And he's like, we should every single sheet in the sheet seat in this room should be filled. And I can't believe this. He's like, Ryan Holiday's a beast, and all these we had all these amazing speakers. And I'm like, who is this kid? Right? He was like in his mid twenties, and so I told someone in my office, I might grab that kid. He launched a business, and again, we kind of guided him, you know, led him to the water. But man, he is drinking out of a fire hose right now, and he's. Seven figure business is that what a million bucks is? Seven figures? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess I, I thought I was good at math. But seven <laughs> figures, <laughs> you, you right? Did it. Yep. He's just crushing it, and he's got a big team now, and he's hired almost all veterans, and so he's just absolutely just incredible. So again, I could, I mean, there's dozens and dozens of them. Mm-hmm. Those are probably two big examples of them, and then there's others who just have a, they're making an extra four or five hundred dollars a month. That's just that's a car payment. That's a, a pays bills, whatever the case may be. So again, we there's so many free resources out there nowadays if you want to start a business. It's just, honestly, it's getting off of Netflix. Um, what's that, Fortnite game? Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, I hear these people spending hours and hours and hours. It just takes some time. You know, I listened to a podcast on the way over here, right? I mean, it's just, 
20 minute drive, it's, it's a great podcast. It's a good opportunity to learn. Right. Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, just going out and doing it, the resources are there, but nobody's going to do it but you. Mm -mm. Yeah. When you are speaking to um, service members, what's, and then they're talking about transitioning out. What's one thing that stands out in your mind? Um, the leadership skills that this subset of people have that are so valuable to, to um, civilian life. Well, I mean, one of the biggest things is, is I, and I'm part owner in, in a whole bunch of companies, just getting people to show up on time, work together in teams, not leave until the mission's done, not worried about taking credit for work, right? That's just ingrained in the military. You know, I'll stand in front of three, 400 people, soldiers, I'm like, who here shows up on time? And they look at each other like, who's this old guy? Yeah. <laughs> we all show up on time. That's, you know, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. As you know, or maybe not know, you know, if you're surrounded by by people, just getting people to show up on time and working, mm -hmm. right? You know, I walk into my office sometimes and I'll see all the screens go from Facebook to all these shopping sites to to a work page, right? I'm like, I'm not, I'm old, but I'm not that much of an idiot. And then they always say they're always too busy. So I, I think what they bring to the table is just a, a work ethic that's unmatched. Yeah. Why do you think that there is a challenge or a stigma out there about veterans in the workplace? In terms of maybe like PTSD and yeah, some of those type I of issues? Yeah, I think so. I think um, sometimes there's some hesitation about it. Certainly there are companies that embrace it, um, but there is a stigma out there about hiring a veteran. Yeah. Yeah, I think or maybe, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe well, you're seeing something different. I think in the circles I run in, there there isn't. But mm -hmm. I think there's, you know, I think I don't know what the percentage of them that you know are diagnosed with PTSD. I think it's a very small percentage. I think one of the one of the things that business owners have a hard time grasping is is sometimes they can be intimidating. You know, they'll come in, they're clean cut, typically in really good shape. They talk in acronyms, yeah, right. They don't talk like a civilian, and that's one thing that we really press on them is. You know, I'm not sure, right? You know, call me by either Mr. or whatever, but that's just what they're ingrained in. So I think it's more of an intimidation factor than anything else, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. you know, when they walk in. So we we really try to, you know, people want to hire people they they know, like, and trust, right? And and that they could have a conversation with and not feel intimidated. And I think that that comes with that a little bit. But I, I also see that there's a lot of things. You know, we have an academy in our office now that it's a workspace, free workspace for veterans. And I had someone say, well, aren't you worried that someone's gonna come up and you know, go crazy? I'm like, no, there's probably my postman is probably more crazy than anyone ever I would bring in. So I think there is, uh, but I think sometimes the military, I think they need to do a better job of trying to tone down their military speak and talk more like a, like a civilian, if that makes sense. Yeah. Are there programs in the military that they support that help with the, with transition? Is that something that they could start early, start with that coaching or. Yeah. So they have a five day transition class. Okay. It's called TAP. It's called transition assistance program. Mm -hmm. It's run by the department of labor and the VA. So it's run by people who probably talk in some of the same acronyms that, that they talk in, I would think. You know, yeah, the they're still speaking labor. the same language. Right, yeah. yeah, when you got the DOL and the VA running the TAP, you know, classes. So, yeah, and again, that's, that's we talked about that earlier. I think they think they have all this time to transition, and then all of a sudden come crunch time, they got to get their resume together. You know, they got to start getting their LinkedIn profile together. They got to start, you know, reaching out to companies. And, you know, the, the days of just shooting out your resume online and getting interviews just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. What what is working? So we 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 share some techniques and we didn't create these. We got these all from our speakers. What we like to see is, you know, video type resumes, right? I mean, how many times was the last time you got an email and it was a video of someone? Mm -hmm. Right. So we teach a, a technique. It's like, hey, I'm I'm Phil. I'm you know, I'm currently serving at Fort Hood, Texas, and I'm getting out of the military on March first. And I found your organization and you have a lot of amazing veterans that work inside your organization. And I just wanted to share this quick video with you and attaches my resume. And I look forward to hearing from, you know, someone in your HR department or your hiring manager. How many people have actually gotten that? I never got anything like that. I, I never have either. Yeah. Right. Not unprompted, I should say, because I did work at Zappos and that mm. was part of their hiring process, but they asked for the video. Right. So an unprompted 
video. Yeah, that's something that stands out. Absolutely. It stands out. Yeah. Right. And just following up. And, you know, we teach, a, you know, how when you have an interview, how do you follow up with it? I mean, most people don't even send a thank you email. Mm-hmm. Like, I won't hire somebody unless they send a minimum of a thank you email. And I'll have some great candidates. I'll be like, all right, God, please let them send a follow up. <laughs> if they write a handwritten note, it's like, I promise I won't. And I like list five things I won't do, right? Yeah. Oh, so, so those are just different, you know, tactics and strategies that we teach them. It's totally out of the norm. It's totally out of the norm for most people. Now, if you hire, if you go to work for Zappos, that's expected mm-hmm. almost as part as a, of the hiring process. But it's unique. It, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say is a challenge that um, that veterans have when they first enter the workforce? What is what's something that that you see often that they're having a hard time with? I I think there's a number of different things, but I think it's it's any transition, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know when you made your transition if it was an easy transition or the first day that you showed up at a new opportunity. It was just kind of awkward. Yeah, change is not an easy thing. Mm-mm. Yeah, and so I see that. You know, I'm going through a whole bunch of different changes too. One is trying to get out of my day-to-day operations of a company. I think fitting in with civilians, I think, is one of the one difficulty. You know, sharing and speaking, not being intimidated, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's, there's a new person, right? We heard that they served in, you know, in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, and we heard they kill people. I mean, I don't know, I'm just making stuff up, but yeah. there's all those crazy kind of kind of things, and all of a sudden you 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 go into a, a, a situation, and a lot of people, I think, take jobs to fill that financial gap versus finding something meaningful work. Yeah. And I get that because you got to, you know, you got to put food on the table and roof overhead. And a lot of these men and women have families. And so I think they, they go into, I think they wait too long. I think they get into a job that may not be meaningful for them. And they, what the military teaches is whatever you did in the military, let's see what the equivalent job is as a civilian. Mm-hmm. I've talked to a lot of, you know, soldiers, Marine sailors. I'm like, Oh, did you, you know, you, you were a mechanic or a logistics. And I'm like, oh, is that why, why you joined the military? They're like, no, that's what the military told me I was going to do. That's a really good point. Yeah, you don't always go into the military getting the job you want. Right. Or going to the location that you want to go to. Right. Yeah. You forget yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to Germany and Okinawa and all these cool places. They're they're going to Fayetteville, North Carolina, Fort Bragg. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're mm-hmm. not. So so the military does a good job of of explaining to them what they can do as a civilian. But typically I find they didn't want to do that in the military. And now they're doing something they didn't like in the military, but they did it and they did it really well. And now they're doing it as a civilian because it it, it provides an income for them. And mm-hmm. that's got to be frustrating for them. Yeah. And then you feel like you're stuck. You oh, know, for how sure. How do you get out of that, right? And if you have a spouse at home, I mean, you know, the spouse has been used to the first and the 15th, they got a paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when the government shuts down, the military still gets paid. They're yeah. one of those entities. So they're used to that, that thing. It's the same thing when someone goes from working at a job and they become an entrepreneur. All of a sudden that income stops. It sure does. Yeah. <laughs> it sure does. Yeah. And that's scary. <laughs> yep. Here's the amazing thing though. I don't know if it's a human condition or what, but things tend to work themselves out. Mm-hmm. And you know, having that faith and having that, that uh, the self-esteem to really trust that it's going to is big, you know? Right. And, and so I've been trying to feel comfortable, more comfortable with the unknown, right? I mean, what's, what's going to happen if I, if I leave my company, you know, my, my income's going to go down. What's going to, I'm not going to starve, right? There's, you know, family and friends that take care of you, but jumping into the unknown is, can be really scary. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about you. You've been working on American Dream U. You're working on um, offloading your business. And I also know, we haven't mentioned it yet, but you, I know you've written at least one book. I think you're two, at two now, are you? I've I've written two decent ones mm-hmm. and two not even worth mentioning. Yeah, okay. so I'm, I'm up to four. I'm yeah. up to four, but yeah. And yeah. I'm not even a good writer. Horrible. But you have a lot, a lot to say. You have a lot to share. You know, I, I think... You know, I have self-esteem issues that probably a lot of people have. And so I never feel like I have something to share as worth worthwhile. And I was encouraged, you know, wh- one of my books is called Funding Your Bigger Future. That's one thing in my life I've done really well is set myself up for financial success, right? I live a very modest life, 
you know, rolled up in a Subaru today. I'm not, I'm not a baller, right? You know, with some of these people you see online, but it's paid for. Everything is paid for. I have, I have no debt. So I feel like I'm, and I've taught, you know, I used to teach financial planning classes at UNLV. So I feel comfortable with that. So everyone's like, you got to share this to more people. So I, I wrote that book. Another book I wrote was called Mission Next. I interviewed close to a hundred veteran entrepreneurs and business leaders. And I had a ghostwriter help me and we put the story together and share it. And we've either donated and sold, I think close to 6,000 copies, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I don't know how, what the average book sells is, but I think it's like less than 50 mm-hmm. when someone publishes a book. So yeah, I've, I've written, I've written some books and, you know, I'm starting to share some of the stuff I've learned. You know, I've gotten to hang out with some of the world's best entrepreneurs, a handful of billionaires, and I get to spend a couple days with them. Yeah. And you threw out a couple names, Ryan Holiday and, and, um, you were going to say another person, but yeah. So, so, so at that event, it was Ryan Holiday, Ramit Sethi. Mm-hmm. I've got to hang out with Jim Cook, the founder of Sam Adams, Steve Blank, who's taken six companies public in Silicon Valley, Joe DeSena, the founder of Spartan Races, Elizabeth Wheel, who was one of the first employees at Twitter. I mean, I've gotten to hang out with some of the most, Tim Ferriss, the mm-hmm. most elite of elite, and I get to spend time with them. It's not like I spend five minutes in the green room with them. We're at a military base for three days. Yeah. I eat with them. I sleep with them, not sleep with them, but in the general area in the bunk. So I get to know them pretty well. And so I've gotten to absorb a lot of, a lot of good information and I've seen who's happy and successful and who's just successful. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It does to me. Um, happy and successful means that you're enjoying what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they're real. Yeah. What are some big lessons that you've learned from those types of interactions? Well, one thing I, I've been studying a lot is is happiness. And mm-hmm. so I've gone a lot of my years not happy, right? People perceive me as being happy, successful, you know, married, beautiful wife, three kids, all this kind of stuff. But underneath it all, I was not happy, right? I think my was making my wife and my kids miserable, you know, because I was always chasing financial gains versus other type of things. So what I learned is there's no correlation between money and happiness, I mean, every st- st- single study has showed that. I think if you make sixty some thousand dollars a year, which is a decent amount of money, if you make twice that amount, it doesn't increase your happiness by more than I think it's a half a percent or a percent. So I was quite miserable, and I think I was making people around me miserable. And so I'm learning, developing my authentic self into being happy with what I have and and grateful for what I have. Right, I always wanted what I had, and I wanted what you had. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it was just—it was a struggle. It was an ego issue and an envy issue for me, I think. And I think a lot of people that I meet and talk with, same exact thing. How did you recognize that? How did you even know where to start? Um, well, I think one of the places was my wife telling me that ninety percent of the time I was a great guy and happy. And then 10% of the time I would just fly off the handle for absolutely no reason. Yeah. Cause that's, that's ego, right? I think it's ego. I think it's resentment. I think it's frustration. You know, I I just, I have three awesome kids and, you know, I've told this to them that, you know, I was envious of their life. Right. I mean, they didn't choose a college based on how much it costs. They choose a college on where they wanted to go. Right. And so I had three kids at school at the same time, all in private schools. I mean, it was, a silly amount of money I was spending every year. And so I was working and then my kids were studying abroad and I'm like, what about me? Yeah. Right. I'm working 10, 12 hours a day. So I had resentment towards my kids. It's horrible to say, but I had a lot of resentment towards my kids. Same thing with my wife. She didn't have to work. I'm like, you know, how rough was your day today? You know? And I would go home. I don't know if you've ever done this or not, but at the end of the day, I just was decision angry. You know, like when you're hangry, mm-hmm. I was decision angry. I'd made so many decisions at the end, by the end of the day. I'd come home, eight o'clock at night. My wife's like, "What do you want to eat? I have chicken. I have whatever you want. I'll make anything." I'm like, "Just make me anything. I'm hungry." No, no, I really want to make this special. I'm like, honestly, I can just, I just need to eat. By the third time, I'm like, "Effing, just feed me." Right. I just flew off the handle. I couldn't make another decision. Yeah. And so I think that was a big wake up call for me. Is that and the decisions I were making were not. I wasn't enjoying the decisions I was making. Let's just put it that way. And I've shared that story at military bases. And I had one guy in front of the room. He goes, "Man, you're in my kitchen, right?" Because we just have all these, all these things that go on during the day. And then you go home and you just want to, 
you know, I, th- I forget, um, there was someone who wrote a book on, you know, men say so many words when they, during the day. And if, if a spouse is at home, my wife just wanted someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to talk to three little kids, mm-hmm. right? And so she had all these words left that she wanted to talk about. And so she wanted to share with her day. It's like, I didn't want to hear the whole story. I'm like, just tell me the button. Does that make sense? Like just it does, the yeah. result. You're, you're tapped out oh. and you still want to care. And you know that you have an obligation to the other person or or whatever's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And then I, I flap the handle and then five minutes later I'd be like, oh man, you're such an a-hole. Yeah. What is this? And then I would beat myself up, right? It was just this vicious, vicious loop. And I still do it, but it's far less and I recognize it more. Yeah, you, you realize it's happening now. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can feel it coming. Yeah. So what else are you doing personally to to enrich your life? Yeah, so owning the morning has been a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. So I've literally told my office, don't schedule anything until 10, unless it's like some military thing or a general officer or whatever. And owning the morning has been really, and not, not everyone can do it until 10, but you can do it maybe till eight. You can do it till seven and wake up earlier. So I wake up earlier. I have a, just a routine. I drink a great glass of really healthy water with some lemons and some vitamin D drops in it. And then I have a cup of coffee because that's just, I enjoy coffee. And then I go right into journaling and breathing. Have you ever heard of Wim Hof? Have you heard of Wim Hof? Yeah, I have. So I do the Wim Hof breathing and go right into a short meditation. And it's just, when I do that, my day is just great. When I don't do that, probably mentally, I think, oh, your day's not going to be good because so, you, you know, you're telling the universe you're going to have a crappy day, but just owning that morning. And then typically I'll go to the gym right after that. Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel great. You know, I've lost a ton of weight, you know, about 40 pounds and I've kept it off now for two years. So, you know, I share, you know, how I did that with others just because I've kept it off now because yeah. I was really good at losing 20 pounds and gaining 30 and yeah, I probably lost 600 pounds over the last 10 years. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, so just, just routines have been really helpful. You know, there's a, a, a veteran uh, by the name of Jocko Willick, if you've heard of him, but his saying is, you know, discipline equals freedom. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you design a day, and especially the morning, super value. Aubrey, Aubrey Marcus wrote a great book called Own the Day. And if you've ever heard of Aubrey, he yeah. runs a company called On It. And it's just, you gotta just kind of schedule it and own it and, and do it. Why do you think it's important to do that in the morning? When I... When I skipped a workout, I said, I'll just work out at the end of the day. I never worked out at the end of the day. Yeah. I was just exhausted. Yeah. Like I didn't work out this morning. You know, I had a late night last night. I'm like, okay. So I brought my shorts and my t-shirt. I'm like, okay, I'll finish up at the office. I know I'm not going to go to the gym. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. And then something else came up and then I can't even go to the gym because I've got a phone call. So yeah, really getting getting it away. And when you look at a lot of successful people, they either really own the morning early or they're night owls and they'll stay up to one, two in the morning when everyone else is asleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's when I do my best work when everybody else is sleeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's something to be said about a daily ritual or a routine or discipline equals freedom mm-hmm. because no matter what's going on in your life or how emotional you might feel, if you can fall back on that discipline, on that, um, that those habits. And if you just trust that and fall into it, then you can get yourself back on track too mm-hmm. and keep yourself going. Yeah. And have someone you hold know. yourself accountable too. Yeah. For yeah. getting it done. And, you know, we were talking about authenticity. So you're working on that now. Are mm-hmm. you, is that, I don't know about you, but that's an ongoing thing. I think for me and a, a lot of the clients that we work on, you're not only finding yourself, but staying true to yourself, mm-hmm. you know? So you made that switch. You, you've recognized it. And what type of work are you doing to find yourself and maintain that? Yeah, so I discovered this guy by the name of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Have you heard of him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, I'm going to his workshop in Vancouver in a couple of weeks. And so, and then there's there's another guy by the name of Paul Check, who I follow. Have you ever heard of Paul Check? He's I haven't kind of, heard of Paul. Have to check he's, him out. he's great. He's a holistic. His last name is C-H-E-K. And he talks about the great pain teacher. So if you don't kind of follow your heart and your soul and your authentic self, you're going to get some pain. And I was having that. It was knee pain. It was back pain. It was, I started getting sick. So it's showing up in different ways. Right. Yeah. If, if you don't kind of find your own path, um, 
then the universe is going to make you sick, God, whatever the case may be. I'm not saying God's going to make you sick, but I'm just saying that you're going to get some pain, right? And the body does a really good job of keeping you distracted. And that's one thing I did is I was just, I was being busy because I was avoiding conversations and avoiding things that I know I needed to do. I don't know if that yeah, makes sense or not. It does, yeah. I think that's that's a, a thing that all of us humans do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, Avoidance. So, <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. And there was just really tough conversations that I was just keeping busy to avoid. And and one of the things that I learned from from Joe and others, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, was, you know, the best way to predict your future is to create it. You know, and it's one of those things, I think they call it reticulator, activated. And what's the thing when you RAS? When you when you buy a blue Nissan and all of a sudden you think you have the only blue Nissan in the city and then you see fifty all of them, of them. Everywhere. right? Yeah. So just telling you know another another coach I have and and hopefully you have some of these references in the notes a guy by the name of Dan Sullivan who started Strategic Coach and his definition of a goal is just telling your mind what to look for mm-hmm. and just by simply telling your mind what to look for people and things will come into your life that will help you. You know, it's kind of woo-woo, and I was definitely not woo-woo a couple years ago. Yeah. I've gotten more woo-woo. I'm, I'm telling you, it's like things just happen. That is so true because you notice it mm-hmm. and because you have a purpose for doing something. So when you're in a conversation with people, you know what you're looking for, so you're going to talk about it. You're more likely to ask questions or you'll ask for that type of help. Mm-hmm. Those what are you doing? For, for your authentic self. For me, it's um, I journal. Mm. Um, I I have this thing where I it's called Mondays are for me. Mm. So Mondays are mine. Before I record this podcast, um, I go hiking or um, just spend time to myself. But it's 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 funny you mention that because since starting this business, I've definitely lost. Not not my authenticity because I think that that's what my businesses are, but I've lost the priority to take care of myself. Mm. Because why I've, do you think so? Because I've been it's guilt. It's been guilt about not making the money I used to make, or um, you know, there I the the life that I live now started while I was making different money. So just maintaining that. And um, also just because I want this to be so successful, I would feel guilty about not spending time on it because I almost felt like I had to do anything to make it successful. What would happen if it wasn't successful? I would do something else. Mm. Exactly. What is the worst thing that would happen? Right. You know, but really I think, you know, when you swim so hard, you get, you don't get anywhere. It's it's like I've lost the the on the authenticity in myself, but also in my message and what I want to do. And I was also I felt like I was becoming desperate to get money or make connections or just spinning my wheels and, and wasting too much energy mm-hmm. where I just needed to relax and be myself, take care of myself. And then things I've noticed things are just starting to fall into place. Right. Give me an example of what you journal about. I have, so I've tried a bunch of the journals where you, you know, you purchase it and um, it comes with a template Mm. and you can kind of map out your day. Those didn't work for me. Okay. And then um, I stopped journaling and I would use a whiteboard and I would just jot down ideas. But now what I've been doing is when I journal, I talk or I, I write about the things that I'm struggling with. And then I also write out my to-dos for the day. Mm. And I, I write them as they happen. So I'm actually, I'm documenting it right then and there. Um, but I write it rather than put it in my phone or put it in my computer. Mm. And so it's more like a, a stream of consciousness. And then that way I have something to refer back to. Because I get a lot of ideas and things going on in my day. And it's so scattered. That exhausts me so much that it keeps me up at night. Mm. So it's really just to clear my mind and kind of pare down everything that happens in my day. And what the incredible thing is, is um, it doesn't take up much room in my notebook. Mm. So what's in my mind is I think could fill up five pages. In reality, might fill up a half a page when you really write it down and write down like what is, what's important, what exactly do I need to be doing mm. rather than all of the little stuff that comes up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, a great book called The Essentialism. I don't know if you've heard of that by Greg McEwen, New York Times bestseller. And and this was me. I was going an inch deep 
on a hundred different projects instead of a mile deep on one. Like, mm-hmm. right, right. What's, what's your top priority? Right. And I always had 30 priorities, right? I mean, it, it never became plural as I was priority until the last 50, 60 years. So I always challenge myself and challenge others. Like, where would you go a mile deep mm-hmm. if you could? Because I'm the same way, man. I have, I could fill up journals of ideas. And yeah. most of them are horrible, bad ideas. <laughs> you know, and I was talking to my project manager this morning. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's another project. She's like, Phil, you got to just stay focused. <laughs> like, come on. I mean, you know, we work together. It's like, oh, yeah. oh That's good that gosh. you have someone like that. I know. Yeah, yeah. So she knows she knows where I'm at on that. But, yeah, so I'm always fascinated by people at Journal because there's so many studies out there just taking a piece of paper and a pen and mentally writing stuff down. Yeah. Um, so that's 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 why I asked you on that because I'm sure you could help a lot of people that listen. Yeah, yeah, and certain things come up in life sometimes that really wake you up to changes you need to make, mm. and lots of times those are things that are unexpected. So for me, six months ago, um, my mom, who she has MS, she mm. she's in a wheelchair. She fell out of her chair and broke both of her legs. Oh. So that really was a snowball into having to take care of my parents and run a business. And I'm only in the first three years, so this is not an established business. Mm. You know, it's still getting to that point. But it really woke me up to, all right, how that my parents became my priority, but I still have this other obligation that I've got to keep working on this business to make it successful. And then all those things that happen in your life, they really get pared down very quickly. And you have to make a choice. You know? We were just talking about this. So my 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 stepfather, but he's he's my father as well, um, has leukemia. So and the prognosis isn't good. Now he's doing a whole bunch of alternatives. He feels great. My mom just had both her hips replaced. She needs both her knees replaced, and they're in Chicago. And so I have this dilemma, right? I've got stuff that I want to do, right? I'll be authentic to myself, but then all of a sudden I have this tremendous guilt that I'm not more in Chicago helping them out. Mm-hmm. Right. And I hope your mom's okay. My sister has MS. It's, it's not a great disease at all. Um, so you have that, you know, I'm torn. Right. And it's yeah. like, I just feel guilty about not spending more time with my parents. And I go there and I just sit and I kind of watch them and we chit chat and it's great. But then I've, then I'm thinking about work. Right. I don't know if you do the same thing. Or oh, maybe absolutely. It's just me. No, it's, it's absolutely what goes on. Yeah. Yeah. So are your parents here? They are. They're here. Oh, nice. And they're okay. they're okay. My mom's okay, my mom's okay. Um the result was we moved both of my parents. They moved into a nursing home. Okay. Um, which is for our family is a very good situation sure. and a place for for them to be. But you know, all the in between stuff. Um but uh, it does, it helps you prioritize. Mm. It helps you really realize what you should or shouldn't be working on. So this journaling now is a result of that is okay. I've spent now I'm to the point where I've spent so much time on this business where I feel like I can be laser focused Mm. now. So now I don't need to be so scattered. I can, I know exactly what I need to do. I know what's working, what's not working. And now it's just laser focused on those items Mm. to move forward. So who holds you accountable for getting stuff done? I do. You do. Yeah. I'm, I'm good at about that. Okay. And, um, if I don't, do things, then I'll beat myself up about Mm. it, you know, but I have a support system in my friends, um, in my wife, in my parents, the people who I work with and my clients hold me accountable. Mm. I don't know if you find this. Yeah. 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 yeah, It's not just me, but, um, I don't know if you find this, but when you're in this, this type of business where you're helping other people, you, they are also holding you accountable, maybe not in a direct way, but in an indirect way. Yeah. So th- that brings me to another question for you is you probably get a lot of people that dump stuff on you, I would imagine, mm-hmm. right? A lot of your your clients, right? They have all these things and you're a great listener. I can already tell. You I mean, you're not, you know, you're not just sitting there waiting. Okay. Phil's almost done. I can't wait to get, you say something. You're a great listener. So how do who do you talk to besides your wife, mm-hmm. right, when you have stuff that you need to bounce off of? Because that's a struggle for me, and I know that's a struggle for a lot of people. I'm struggling with that right now, actually. Um, but here's what I'm going to do about it. I have friends that I can talk to. I also have f- other friends who are coaches 
um, who work in the same line of business. Um, but I'm really seeking a mastermind out a master a mastermind mm. group. Have you ever been involved? With oh one? yeah. I, in yeah. fact, I started one here in, in Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. And because I think I have those personal relationships, but I'm really missing the relationship of, of people that I'm not emotionally tied to mm. just to get some real life perspective from a place where I'm willing to accept it. It's not always easy to get the criticisms and, you know, the when things are taking longer than you want them to. It's hard to hear that from your family and mm. friends. And sometimes you know? they won't even tell you. Exactly. Right. Sometimes they won't even tell you. So it's like, all right, I need to have this other this other thing in my life. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I've been doing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you would encourage your listeners to do the same thing. We as, do. Yeah, yeah. That that comes up very often. That's a, a a typical theme on mm. here is, is what are you doing to reach out and get that support that you're really looking for? Right. But at the end of the day, you know, it's up to you to do it. There isn't, somebody isn't going to walk in and hand you that success that you want or that client that you want, or, you know, you might be going through a problem and not, somebody's not going to walk through the door and say, Hey, Hey, here's the answer to your problem. You have to go find it. Mm. And that's the accountability part too. For me, at least, that that drives me to be accountable. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's it's like I don't know I don't know about you, but I always have these to dos that I keep pushing to the next day, and it's like, oh, right? They're just they seem so difficult, and then when you get them done, <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, you're just a whiner, right? It's like, why did you? This is this was not that bad. Yeah. Right. And one of the things that you know, I work with a lot again with a lot of the military, I'm like, man, you have an amazing story. You should write a book. And they're like. Oh. I can't write a book. I'm like, listen, dude, I wrote a book. I said, have you seen my transcripts? I said, I graduated with barely a 2.0. My senior had a 1.8 in high school. I said, I can't. Spell check doesn't even know what I'm saying. It's like add to the dictionary. <laughs> right. right? I, I'm like, what do you mean add to the dictionary? I'm close. And I'm like, just get it done. I'm like, just do a, just do an hour a week. Like, oh, it'll take me forever. I'm like, listen, just do an hour a week. It'll, I'll check in on you. Yeah. And it just yeah. adds up. And it'll be quicker than what you're doing now. Well, they're doing nothing now. Which is nothing, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, just taking the time and, and turning your phone off, right? I mean, how many people just turn off distractions for a bit? It just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. I've started doing that. In fact, I just um, took like apps like Facebook and um, what else? LinkedIn off, which is really hard as a business owner I rely on those apps to run my business. Mm. And I finally said, you know what? I'll just, I'll work on those at home. I'm not going to, when I'm out with my clients or my friends or my family, those don't need to be on my phone anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, they're such rabbit holes, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Even though I did have to download it the other day to do a live video. So that's <laughs> <laughs> the way it goes. That's a work thing. It is a work thing, but you know, separating the two, it's tough. Right. So that's, that, I'm a work in progress mm. as far as that goes. So I have a question for you because I know you do a lot of stuff outside of nature, and I'm just mm. discovering nature, and there's just so much power to it. There's a, a poet. Gosh, I'm sounding like I'm really intelligent and smart when I'm quoting poets, but um, there's a guy by the name of John O'Donohue. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Nope. Oh, amazing. And, you know, he talks about nature and, and just the fact of getting outside and the power of trees and, you know, they're, they're talking about, it's like, it adds years to your life, just taking a 20 minute walk a week in nature. Mm -hmm. That sounds so, so silly, right? 20, 20 minutes. What are you finding when you take people out and they're working with animals and they're outside and they get fresh air and they don't have their cell phones with them? What are you seeing? It's, um, it's a return to play. Mm. It's getting people out of their comfort zone. L lots of the work that we do with horses is, um, you know, we put you face to face with a 900 pound animal and ask you to command this animal to do what you want it to do. And, you know, 90% of the time, this animal is looking at you going, who are you? Mm. And who do you think you are? Because you're not showing up as yourself. Mm. So over time, you know, it's for our women's retreat, getting women outside who may have never been outside before trying new outdoor activities and really experimenting with themselves and their body and what they can and cannot do. It's, um, it's remarkable. Mm. 
and you're in an environment where, uh, you know, you're not sitting in an office where somebody's looking over you or you're away from your family and, you know, you don't, ha- you get to leave those expectations and all of that stress behind. So, um, it, 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 it changes people. Hmm. It definitely does. Yeah. There's a great book. Yep. In fact, I just talked to the author's morning by the name of, um, play it away. And he was Tim Ferriss's project manager for four years and mm-hmm. he just got burnt out. It wasn't Tim's fault. It was just this guy was just perfectionist. And uh, one of his friends said, hey, let's – or he called one of his friends and said, hey, let's have a cup of coffee. And his friend's like, no, 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 or maybe it's the other way around. Let's just go play catch. Do you have a mint? And he's like, yeah. And he went out. And he says it was the first time he played since he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so we forget about we forget about play. And I was in Chicago, and my nephews and nieces were there. And they're like dancing, singing. You know, and then I get in the plane and I listen to a, a Paul Chick podcast with a guy named Sean Croxton. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a fitness him, yeah. guy. And um, again, I'm talking like I'm all woo-woo or something. But, you know, Paul Chick says, you know, how sh- shamanic or shamans help people, right? The first four questions they ask is, when was the last time you danced? When was the last time you sang? When was the last time you heard a story or told a story? When was the last time you played? And when I think about it, I think women do a better job than men. But it sounds like even women really struggle with it as well. Because I have like two or three friends, right? My wife has way more <laughs> friends than me. You know, I have a ton of acquaintances, uh-huh. but not many friends. And so we did this at a military base. I won't mention what base because it was a small, small thing where I'm like, hey, guys, when was the last time you went out and played? And they're like, look at each other, like, define play. I'm like, you went out and played football. You were, and they're like, they all look at each other like, I can't remember the last time I played. And so I think a lot of people don't have play in their life. Mm-hmm. And I think it causes anxiety. I think it causes stress. I think it, because we're naturally meant to play. Yeah. When we look at these little kids, they were just playing, singing, and dancing. They didn't care what people thought. No, and super happy. Oh. Yeah, super happy. Yeah, we have um, one of my good friends, and also she's one of our women's retreat uh, leaders. Her name's Rachel Wenman. And she talks a lot about um, how she uses certain activities in her life to activate herself. Mm. So, uh, you know, before she's got to go into a big meeting or, or, um, you know, what, whatever a high pressure situation is, she'll just turn on some music and go in the other room and dance mm. beforehand, or you know, she'll start her days being outside going on a run. She's just found those certain things in her life that helps activate. And by activate, that is getting yourself, you know, psyched up to do something, but also that motivation. You know, sometimes you are going to walk into a room and you might be scared or, um, nervous or, or whatever. And just, you need something to help keep you going. And that's what she does. It's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 And one of the other things with my morning routine too, is, is going for just a quick walk outside. Yep. 20 minutes, just getting out. I do it in shorts and t-shirts. I don't care if it's 120 out or, you know, this last week was in the thirties and my neighbors are looking at me like going, well, that's like dipping into a cold bath, right? I love that. Yeah. I do cold plunges. All the time. A cold shower. Cold just showers to, every to wake single you morning. Up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be just fantastic for, for everything. Yeah. That's yeah. something I haven't gotten on board with. Oh, but, just go uh, for it. You can do it. I'm sure I can. Just, just it's like I like warm showers. <laughs> right. Start with warm and yeah, then go to cold. Right. Exactly. You can, you can cuss me out tomorrow, but I'm telling you, <laughs> oh, it's just, it's, it's great. It's great. Yeah. That's really good to hear that. You know, one thing that I noticed with my with my wife is, you know, especially with raising raising kids and being home, one is she didn't have a whole bunch of other adult interaction, other other than getting together with other other moms and those type of things. And it was a lot of conversations, and she didn't really, besides you know, exercising, didn't go on these type of retreats, right? And I think that would be huge for anybody, especially women, to get out and do that. And yeah, those animals, I mean, I've ridden horses before and you look at them, I'm a big guy. They're intimidating. Yeah. And they can they can smell you probably from the minute you walk up to them, whether you have fear or... Yeah. So um, horses are prey animals and we're predators. So if you mm-hmm. have a pet at home, like a dog or a cat, or most people have an, an animal in their life that's also a predator. So you... We, we navigate life with a predator-predator relationship. Mm. But because a horse is a prey animal and we're a predator, they have to get to know who you are within seconds because mm. they really, their life depends on it. So that's that special relationship uh, and why we work with horses is because they really do. They don't, it's not smelling you. It's okay. they just, 
they they can see who you are. Mm. See right through you. See right through you. Wow. Yep. But it's also cool because it's with no judgment. You know, they also, I mean, their attention span is like three seconds or something like that. They're very in the moment animals. So if you are not your authentic self when you first are around a horse, but you can get there, they've, they've forgotten Mm. your first interaction. They're in the, they're very in the moment. Imagine if if humans were (laughs) (laughs) non-judgmental and could sniff you out that quickly. Right. Yeah. I think we, yeah, we'd be doing a lot of running. Yeah. (laughs) We'd be doing a lot of running. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's an, that's another thing too that that I'm trying to get better on is judging others right off the bat. Yeah. It's just, we all do it. Oh, yeah. But I think, and I'm a lot more tolerable of other people. I used to not be tolerable of people. I'm like, why are you holding a sign on the street, dude? Get a job, right? But who I worked three jobs. Yeah, but you have no idea what's going on there. No idea. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your definition of leadership? We've talked a lot about you as a business owner, you working with vets, running a nonprofit organization. Um, you know, you're in touch with, uh, you, you know, and we'll put all those names in the show notes, by the way. Th- okay. Those are all definitely people that, that uh, everybody listening should be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic resources there and inspiration. Um, when you think of that and you could wrap it up into what, what your definition of leadership looks like, what would that be? Well, I'll give you the definition of, of what I think is a good leader. I, I wouldn't class myself as a good leader. I'm not quite there yet. But it's really, gosh, I'm going to, you're going to probably have to edit my pauses on this because it's just, it's so hard. I've run into so many people. I think it's a good leader is someone that is absolutely, truly authentic to what they're really, what their heart and soul is telling them what they should do. And you can kind of tell, right, when you first when you first meet somebody on that. So I've met some amazing leaders in the military and man, they are just like 100% authentic, right? They'll follow these people anywhere, right? Into battle, into a situation where, you know, you've heard stories where hey, we're going in, we got to we got to do this or that and not knowing you're going to come out, but man, you just trust this leader to do that. So I I would I would probably define a good leader as someone who's super authentic and and true to them themselves and what their heart is. And they also do the right thing. So there's also a lot of people who will lead people into doing things that are probably not, not yeah. good, but, and I'm working on that, you know, I'm working on being an adult, you know, I, I don't know if I've hit that threshold of, of being an adult. And again, it's, I'm probably listening to any podcasts, but in this one podcast, you know, one podcast, it's, you know, there's certain, rituals, the tribal things that people have done for thousands of years to make you an adult, right? And I don't know if I'm an adult yet because I still think I'm this like little kid who's immature and who still can't spell and that I really struggle, to be honest with you. Yeah. So it's it's a work in progress. and um, But it's a great journey though, right? And I think what you're doing is, and I'm taking a trip in a few weeks, um, and it's going to be 99% outdoors. And one of the things on that I was listening to this podcast, like, you know, they're saying you can go on a shamanic journey and try ayahuasca and do all these different things. And so the guy's like, no, just go camping. He literally said, just go camping right? by yourself with your own thoughts. And I did that for a few days. I did not like listening to what I was, my own self, yeah. my own self-talk. It was a long few days of being by myself. That was difficult. Yeah. I don't know if you found that or not, not being by yourself or not. Yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just kind of thinking about times where I'm by myself. I get in my head too. Um, But uh, what what did you do to to get through those two days if if you just have such negative self-talk going on? It was brutal. It was actually, I was on um, an eight-day workshop in Ireland, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm thinking, oh, this is great. I'll be in Ireland. And I always go to events to see how I can help the lives of people I serve, right? Thinking, oh, I'm in, I'm fine, right? I'm fine. And so I'm always taking notes. Okay, how can I incorporate this in my military workshops and this and that? And literally for a few days, the, the guy running the thing, he's like, okay, take a picture of your 10-year-old self, go write down some notes, and we'll see you in a few days. And just don't, you're not allowed to 
talk to anybody. Just go off in your little cabin retreat. And I was like, oh, I can do this. So I looked at the picture of myself, which I was disturbed by, right? Because I don't, what was I thinking? <laughs> and after writing for 15 minutes, I had a few days just to kind of think, oh, it was so difficult. Yeah. I was just beating myself up for things I did in the past. And so, so one of the outcomes I found from that and, and working with Dr. Joe and some of these others is really trying, oh, there's a great app. Um, it's called Insight Timer. Have you heard of Tara Branch? Yeah, I have Have you taken her one. forgiveness app? No, I haven't. Oh. I'll check it out. Oh, man, it's 10 minutes a day for 10 days. I mean, I cried almost every every time I listened to it and I did some notes. But really taking the past and instead of feeling those emotions and beating yourself up, I just look at it as, okay, that's wisdom, right? Try not to feel the emotions. I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult for me, but really getting past that and forgiving myself. Cause it's like what Tara says in her book. She's like, what would it, what would it hurt if you just forgave yourself mm-hmm. or someone else? So I really didn't have that many people to forgive, right? You always think all these people did stuff to you. And when it really comes down to it, it's like, it's just all petty, stupid stuff. But I really had to forgive myself. And that was the hardest part about this process. Mm-hmm. But really looking that as, um, as my past as wisdom, you know, things I did and not feeling those emotions um, has been a big game changer for me. And that was one of the big insights from being alone. Yeah. But I didn't like it. Yeah. But but you did it. I did, did it. it. And I'm going to do it again, too. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like, it's like going to the dentist for crowns and root canals. <laughs> right. It's horrible. Yeah. So advice for anybody who, who wants to start, uh, they have a main job, they're they're not loving it. What's your advice to that person to find happiness? Mm. Well, first off, I mean, you have to take care of your family. So if you have a job and you have financial obligations, you know, I know a lot of people online like, oh, quit your job and, you know, do something you love. No, you got to be a responsible adult and take care of your family or whoever's, you know, financially is counting on you. And then really... I would ask yourself a couple questions. You know, if you're a busy person, you know, why are you busy? You know, what conversations are you avoiding? What, what, you know, what, why are you so busy? You know, busyness is a choice. It really is. And I thought it wasn't a choice, mm-hmm. you know? And then there's tools like the one that you and I shared, you know, the Colby. It kind of tells you where you're really strong and, and where you, when you kind of lie. I might do an assessment like that, but I think just what you do with journaling and just kind of writing down all these crazy thoughts in your brain and putting them down. You know, a question I ask, um, you know, soldiers and spouses is, you know, if your rich uncle that you didn't know was rich left you $10,000 a month, what would you do for the rest of your life? Kind of a thing. I know people ask that a lot of questions. It's interesting to hear what their answers are. You know, some people do nothing. Some people, which I don't think as humans were made to do nothing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, a lot of the resources that I know you have in your podcast and you have some great guests, I downloaded a handful and listened to, I mean, they give, I'm probably the least person that should be giving advice on finding your your dream and your purpose. But I think just kind of waking up and just having some quiet time and reflection and really kind of seeing where you want to go a mile deep. I, I think a great start is Greg McEwen's book called The Essentialism. It's unbelievably good on really trying to narrow down uh, what you want to do, but I'm sorry, I probably didn't answer that question all that great, but just quiet time and meditation and, you know, some breathing and some deep thinking. And if you ask some of your friends, you know, Hey, what do you think I'm good at? Like, be honest. Mm-hmm. Right. That's really good advice. The people who know you the best. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe some people that kind of know you, um, you know, ask them really what, what you'd be good at. I mean, I'm not surprised that, I think there's a reason why that money dried up in that company you went to go work for because that's yeah not really what you were meant to do right in a way and things happen and and some people think the worst day of their life is it, it, you look back and it's the best day of your life you don't so know if true. it's the worst or the best until sometime in the future yeah so why what would what advice would you give because I'm in that same situation it's not going to be easy whatever it is, you know, change is, is difficult. And the, my story is a little different because when I opened my business, I was actually let go from my last job. So I didn't have a choice to keep working. Fortunately, I had, you know, the support of my partner to do this and my family, but, um, it was really just sitting down and putting a 
plan together and then just taking one step at a time Mm -hmm. really to get there. You know, there was no easy path. I just depended on my friends, trusted myself, and you have to give yourself time. Nothing is going to happen overnight. You know? Yeah, just doing the work. Yeah, just doing the work, doing the work. So, and allowing yourself to fail, allowing yourself to learn, being easy on yourself is, was really key for me. So how are you easy on yourself? Can you give me an example? Cause um, I beat the crap out of myself every day. It's, it's the self-talk that I have with myself. I recognize when I'm beating myself up, I allow myself to do that. I also allow myself to be sad or, um, cry or, you know, feel bad essentially knowing that there's a certain time where I need to pick myself up mm. and move on. So for me, it's just, you know, allowing myself to have those bad days and those bad moments and those times when I'm not going to be my best mm. and, and, uh, you know, working, putting one foot in front of the other and just keep going. Really it's usually, it's about. yeah, yeah. It's not clean. It's not pretty. It's just life, I guess. Yeah. 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 There's another, I, I sound like I'm really smart when I'm quoting these <coughs> books, but there's a book called Present Over Perfect. Have you heard of that one? No. Uh-uh. I'm drawing a blink on the author, but she talks about, she was just was trying to make everybody happy, right? And just doing all this stuff. And she was a mom and she, you know, she was an all, and it was just like, hey, listen, I just want to be present because yeah. I know I was not a very present husband and a dad. My mind was always somewhere else and I was never in the moment. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever dealt with that or not, but. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, first of all, I mean, it's just the fact that you're saying that. It's not an easy thing to say. You can recognize it, but saying those words out loud is, that's, that's not a, sure it doesn't feel fun, you know. Um, but yeah, I think we all have those moments. But you have those people around you where they're the ones that you depend on to kind of wake you up. Or you have those things that happen in your life that, that will wake you up. Mm. You know, and trusting in that is yeah. is key. Yeah, because yeah, you can make change um, under pain and stress, or you can make change when things are okay. Yeah. Right? And I did it pain and stress, and so I highly encourage your audience. <laughs> if you can help it, right? If you can help it and you have that job, right, and you still have income, show up and be the best possible team member, employee you can be. Mm-hmm. And go home. If you have a family... Put your family to bed and then stay up late and work towards, you know, kind of finding out what you're, you know, kind of why you're here on this planet kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And work towards that. And just work towards it. Just make little steps. And like you said, man, it's, you don't have to, you don't have to accomplish a business in a weekend. It's just not going to happen. No. Unless you are super lucky, which, mm-hmm. but that rarely happens. Yeah. You got to interview yeah. those people. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, it's been so great to see you and to catch up. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. If you didn't have your notebook handy while listening to this episode, head on over to the show notes at leadershiplookslike.org where we have all references listed. Also, visit americandreamu.org to learn more about Phil and his passion for supporting veterans. And hey, before we wrap up today's episode, want to say thank you to those who have left us a review Those help us out a ton. And if you'd like to leave one, kindly visit our Facebook page or find us on iTunes. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. Thanks as always for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode.